Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Pennies Going In Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy! On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we discuss diversifying more than just your portfolio and letting winners win and cutting losers quick. You find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello? 40% is a f***ing killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. You know so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about Ibex? It's going up a shit ton now. We're up 4%, baby. No way. Four fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words <laughs> different. It's like, f- man, I just got dick whipped for like 20%. And now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies. 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 Going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny. And Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going in Raw. Today is Sunday, February the 20th, and we're still getting the wonky action on Spy. Uh, not much to really say about it. Uh, I forgot exactly the levels you gave, but it's looking like they are approaching the bottom. I can't remember if you said 435 or 430, but it's at 432 right now as we record this on around noon on Friday. Uh, does that affect how you think spy is going to play out at all? Or do you think we are just, it's, this is just another going into the weekend. We're going to have a sell off. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's what we've been following. And, uh, and obviously, you know, the Russian tensions don't help. And, and I mean, I'm still pretty bullish on the overall market, but you know, of course the market doesn't care what I think. So I'm still pretty bullish, but I do think that most of this is creating liquidity for the market to go higher. Of course, we don't know, though, how long that'll take to go higher. But I think inside the last podcast or the podcast before, I had mentioned that I was going to buy far out spy calls. And I did. And as we're recording this, they're currently down 58%. Inside the past 10 trading days, the market has gone from 458 down to 432. And I mean, that's crazy. And you take the last five days and the market's gone from 451.60 to 432. Uh, if you guys got your phones in front of you, look at the weekly chart. The weekly chart is something crazy. If you're looking at the weekly chart, that's a massive red candle. Spy hit that 479.98, and then it's been straight down to 440, and then the next week it hit 425. Then we had two weeks where Spy's range was 440 to 455. Then this week, this past week, uh, we opened up above 445, and it's been straight down. So your calls were never even like green at all, ever. You never even had a chance to really scale out of them. No, 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 no. But but I'm I'm doing this more for the vibes. Um, I'm not really holding them. You know, I mean, I mean, like I said, I was putting about one percent of my account in there, and uh, and I'm gonna hold them. You know, they still have time because I am overall bullish on the market. If the market does rally hard, these will go. You know, these will go. Ideally, we don't see three fifty first though, but these will go if the market rallies. 
as we just even mentioned inside the last you know few minutes, that I think that all this volatility is just creating liquidity to bring it higher um, and a move back up. Now, the difficult part with that is obviously the timing. You know, there's a few people that can time the market, but I sure as hell can. And so the way that I like to do it is that I don't take options that often. You know, it's more about like, you know, day trading currently with this volatility, you know, even though I'm overall bullish. So I'll see where like the market's at and then I'll short Piton, you know, if the, if the market starts to flush, you know, or Ford or something that I personally know really well. Personally, I found that P-time works really well for me, but that's a strategy where, you know, during high volatility times where you can't really swing, this is when you can trade stocks and, you know, can trade them every day and not carry over any risk. Just because P-time works well for me, though, doesn't mean that it'll work well for someone else. And the same thing, like if Ford works great for you, then it might not work great for me. But this is the time inside the market with all this volatility where those stocks that you trade inside the market, that you trade really well inside high volatility, that you can make really great money. And, and I don't like to do options. I like to stick to commons. I don't like the decay. And overall, I like to understand my risk. Now, obviously, with options, you understand your risk. But I like to, I like to grab 1,000 shares. And I like to know that if it goes up, up $4 and I own 1,000 shares, I want to know that I'll be down $4,000. Um, I like to know my risk up front. That's just me personally. I'm super simple. You know, if you're not that simple and you like options and you like the leverage, that's totally great. And that's totally fun. My point to all this is that I think that we're going to stay inside high volatility like this for a pretty long time. And I think that it would be good to find that side, you know, I'll call it your side piece that, you know, when, when a Russian headline comes out that, uh, you know, you can go right to and short. And I know some guys who trade just volatility and just trade VIX and, um, and they do really well. I personally don't, but it's one of those things where, <clears throat> like I said, inside this high volatility times, you know, you date and you find your missus, you find the one that's right for you. And then when you do find that, you know, when you find that one, it's okay to go bigger, um, you know, on those strategies, especially, especially if, um, you know, if volatility stays and you start to get really used to, to, you know, the personality of that stock, it's okay to go bigger. Like for instance, Piton, you know, inside the thirties, I don't, I don't see it being up here for long, but you know, it's a $30 stock. So I'm okay. And once you're comfortable with your, your girlfriend, you need to have a side piece. And so you can be with, you can trade more than one stock. Yeah, exactly. Once you get comfortable, mom's not going to like that. You know, the curse and all that. Yeah. She's not going to like that. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Yeah. It's a metaphor. Though. I'm kidding. But Anyway, when you find that one that works well for you or the two or three, you know, I don't think that you want to, you know, I, I don't think that you want to use crazy size on, on all three because you don't want to over leverage and use crazy size. But it's one of those things where, and I'm just going to explain it the way that I do it. P-Tom moves a lot on news articles and stuff like that. Even recently this past week, you know, it was up on, on a news article about about the uh, management team. Yeah. And off that article, it was up like two or three bucks a share and spy was down. So once it fails, that's one of those stocks where once it fails and it exhausts out and shows that it's not going to go higher. That's one of those times that you can scale in and, and make a hell of a lot. When, I mean, when spy is green and Piton's red, that's another time where you can scoop it to the upside because it usually follows spy. And you can do that with a lot of different stocks. I think it just comes down to finding the personality and trading a few that you like. And that's the way that I would do it personally. And like Piton, if you have a twenty, thirty thousand dollar account, I'm okay with you taking two, three hundred shares. I'm I'm fine with that. You know, you don't want to go nuts with it, but I'm okay with you taking five, six grand of the twenty thousand dollar account because two hundred, three hundred shares can, you know, two bucks down. And with the moves that we've been seeing in spy, that's not crazy to see that how spy goes down ten dollars. So I'm okay with you uh, taking, you know, two to 300 shares on that kind of account, as long as your risk is, you know, is in check. Because if you get a two, three dollar move, then, you know, that's a lot of money. You know, you make a thousand dollars, that could be your week sometimes, especially if you've been struggling trading and you're just trying to get that confidence back. Yeah. Make that thousand bucks and, uh, and make that two to 3% and call it a day. And that's what I like to do.
And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about keeping the lights on and, uh, and that's a strategy that you can use inside these volatile times to keep the lights on. And I'm, you know, you guys know that I'm a super traditional guy, but, um, you know, I, and I enjoy the fundamentals of companies and looking into them, but inside this market with this volatility, aspire the market or QQQ fail that key level, you know, I'm there and, uh, they're given really opportunities recently. The big thing is keeping the risk tight and make sure the opportunity is uh, really an opportunity. And what I mean by that is that if SPY breaks below the key level, you know, let's call it 435, and you're like, oh, here we go. Time to scale in to Piton, half my account. Um, if you do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. I'm going to be really pissed. And I don't get pissed often. So if you do that, I'm going to be really pissed. You want to fail the key level, come back, test the key level, and then fail it again. And if you don't get it right in at 435 and you miss out on, you know, a few cents, you can come in my DMs and be mad at me. The thing that will kill your account during volatility is not waiting for a real move. You know, 435 is the key level and it comes and touches 435. You better and you scale short, you're going to kill your account, you know, because then what it does, it swipes up against you. And so then what do you do? You average down. And then now you have 40% or 50% of your account in there because you're just using that key level. And then it swipes up against you and you're down huge. You know, and like we just talked about in the last episode, things have been really crazy. You know, they've been screwing both sides like we just talked about last episode, you know, and that's what we've been seeing a lot of. And so you need to wait for confirmation of an actual opportunity. And then it becomes, you know, fails 435, comes back up, tests it, fails again, that's when you can scale in and you can short. And then your risk is just that 435. You know, keep it real simple. If you're right right away, hell, you can put your stop for a cent gain, you know, right above your break even average. That's fine. And then you're not going red. There's no way to go red. But like I said, you know, make sure that the opportunity is an actual opportunity and you're not just getting too excited. Like I know that right now there's tons of volatility and volatility is fantastic. But the bad thing about volatility is that if we're just around waiting for a trade, then the second that you see an opportunity, you go crazy, you get all excited and the hormones start going and then it starts swiping against you. And now you're, you know, now you're down four or 5% on your account. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. All right, well, going into the next thing, and we've gone over it before, but I think it's good to go over it in different types of markets, and especially a choppy one, is cutting losers quick and letting winners run. Uh, but I think to toss another one in there, because it is a shaky kind of market, is do not letting your winners turn into losers. I think that's just as important as cutting your losers quick and letting your winners run. So not too many winners to let run unless it may be like a spy call or, you know, maybe a put or whatever it may be. Just because if you're there's not, not too many stocks just going like these 20, 30, 40 percent, but you still don't want to let them go out too quick. 
which one do you kind of want to start out with? Cutting losers quick, uh, letting winners run, or uh, not letting your winners turn to losers? Uh, not, not letting your winners turn to losers, because I feel like that's kind of what we just talked about, about volatility. But it's really important in all aspects of trading. I know that that's super difficult. And for me, it's not necessarily about the money that I lose. It's about, or, you know, that I'm up 200 bucks and then it goes, and then all of a sudden I'm down 100. It's not the $100. It's the fact that I was up 200 that makes me the most angry. And especially in swing trading, that's super difficult. You know, you got to be able to control your emotions. And for day traders, I mean, that's, that's why I'm not a big day trader. And, and a huge momentum trader is because that would make me fucking livid. That would make me so mad. If I had like, you know, I know a lot of day traders like to use their, you know, like they trade their most of their account daily. So if it's like one of those things where... Hell, most. I'm talking know, like four or five times on the good days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing though. If I was up like five, six, seven percent, if I was up and then, you know, if I was up five, six percent and then it goes against me and all of a sudden, you know, I'm down six, 7% uh, by the end of the day. Oh my God, I was be livid. I would be so mad at myself. So that's the reason I can't do that. You know, if you're, if you, I like their strategies to day trade, but I just know myself, you know, like I just know that that would be an issue. Like I wouldn't sleep the next night. And then for all intensive purposes, for, for anybody that lives on the East coast, that would be a terrible thing because I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would be such a bitch. So that's the reason I don't really do that. The reason that's obviously important to not let winners go into losers is because that's how it's, it's not the fact of money, uh, losing money. It's the psycho- psychology part. One of the things about our minds is that they play tricks on us. And so we talk about it frequently, but you know, I think it's really important to bring up now is that when we have green and we're on a winner, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk sh- strictly for swing traders right now or from like my, my experience and for day traders and, but not scalp traders, you know, the scalp traders, it doesn't really account for you when we're up, let's say 50 bucks, you know, or 1%, nobody wants to take that. But when we get up 5%, everybody's like, Oh, I got to sell here. Even if you know that it's going to go higher, like 20% higher instead of, you know, leaving some, we just want to take the little bit of green. Even if we know it's kind of like that balancing act of like, if I see a penny on the ground, I won't pick it up. But if I see a nickel 500 feet away, I'm sprinting to it. You know what I mean? Even though I know that if I go a little bit further, you know, another 500 feet, you know, there's potential for a dollar. It's like me with blue chips versus me with a, uh, like low float penny stock. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the thing is that, like I was saying, is that it's a real big balancing act. But what ends up happening to our psychology is that you had the first opportunity to take green and then you felt like it was too small. And then you had the second opportunity to take green and maybe you took it. But then if you don't take that green and it starts to go against you, that's one of those times where you can lose a good amount of your account. And we all know, we all know sometimes you know, like when you're sometimes like you're in a position, you know that you're just going to get smoked on this, but you're just praying that it bounces back. But to a stock that's super strong that you know is going to go higher, but you just want to lock in the profits, you don't take that off the table. So what I'm saying is that stock A, if stock A, you know inside your heart that you're just praying to get out, you're just averaging down, averaging down, but you just keep adding to it. But stock B, it has so much room to run. And every time that test key support, it bounces off of it beautifully and stuff like that. You'll take that profit and you won't add to that on support. But stock A though, when you're down a hell of a lot, you'll just keep adding, adding to it, averaging down because you don't want to take the loss. And that's where it gets really dangerous going from, going from a winner to, to letting the winner turn red. It's called the sunken cost fallacy, bud. Really? Yeah, there's a word for That's it. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, the sunk cost fallacy means that we are making decisions that, one sec, we are focused on our past investments. It's like when you watch a movie, you're 30 minutes in, the movie sucks, and you just keep, but you're like, oh, fuck it, I'm already this <laughs> far in, I might as well just keep watching it. <laughs> I might as well just do it? Yeah, no, that's what happened to me with uh, the movie the, the Colony on Netflix, and it's awful, <laughs> it's terrible. 
But no, I think like the worst part, I mean, by not letting your winners turn to losers, I think scaling out is a really important part of it in all in all senses. But also um, your winners can turn to losers, but also they can turn into just account destroyers if you're doing what he's saying and just adding on these dips. And like, yeah, you were up 20 percent on it. Now you're down. So you're like, OK, it was at 15. I was in at 12. Now it's back at 12. Finally, my dips here. Then you're at 10. Okay, well, damn. Okay, now I, I can't wait for it to be back at 15. Like, and, and then you just, you find yourself in a hole and that's worse than turning a winner to a loser. I mean, that's turning a winner to something that you'd be more down on than had you not fucking got in it at all. You're you're treating it like a loser and it wasn't even a winner in the first place. So as long as you, if something's a winner, let it be a winner. And I like, I really like what you were saying earlier, like with the one cent above it. And that's what we were talking about last week with the trailing stop loss. That's a one. That's one guaranteed way not to turn a uh, winner yeah, to a loser. Yeah. No. Exactly. And so, yeah. And the trailing stop loss is great. And that's why, like, if something starts to work for you, and I don't want anyone to get confused. Like, like I'm all for taking profits, like you should. But the difference is, is that that I want you to layer in the profit on a winner. So when something breaks through a key level. And, you know, it has a really big green candle. Take some off. Take some off there. And then then when it comes back down to support and it bounces off, re-dip by it. So then it's like a whole bunch of new positions. <clears throat> and at the same time, you're laying your profit. And that's the way to do it. Don't be dumb with the stock. Be dumb with the stock that, you know, with the one that, you know, isn't going to do anything. But the same way that you average down, you average into a loser, average up into a winner. So again, support, add, sell. And if it comes back down to support, fine. Or if it breaks through that resistance, you know, sell a little bit more. And then if it comes back down to support, add there again. If the stock's resistance is 12 and you want to come back down to 10 and that 12 now becomes the new resistance, that's okay to add that support. It just comes down to, you know, that's a new play. And so you got to manage your risk the same. You know, so you're building up profits. And so ideally it stair steps all the way up. That's, that's the, obviously ideally, but, but even if it doesn't and you build that profit and do it until it doesn't work, that's the only advice I got. So on the contrary, where you have cutting losers quick, you know, when people say dip by dip by dip by, is it just a term? I mean, is it just a sense of depending on what market you're in or is there just like in this market cut them all quick if they're not working as opposed to other markets where it's you know the dds the fundamentals are there i'm adding on dips but i mean there are times where the fundamentals are there but you look back and you're like damn i should have cut this months ago you know that's when the new risk management comes in you need to make sure that you're picking your spots well that's what most of this comes down to is pick, is picking your spots well really well so it's going to be about like, hey, if this thing gets through 12 and it goes all the way to 20, great. But if this thing gets through 12 and it comes and it hits 13 and then it comes back down to 12 and it tests 12 maybe twice and then it bounces off, I'm going to rebuy it there and then I'm going to hold it there for the 14. So when I say like hold it, I don't mean cut the entire piece and position. I mean cut 50% because what ends up happening is that let's just say that that 10 is the first cut spot and then you cut it and you cut it when it breaks 10 and then uh and then it comes back down to 10 and then test 10 10 once test it twice and then a third time it breaks down you still have that you, you already locked half you already locked half those gains so me personally i like to be a little bit more lenient with my positions so what i'll do is i'll say okay let me see what it does against 10 again and so if it comes up against 10 again, and then maybe I'll sell some there if it, you know, when it gets back up there. And then if it breaks down from there, then I'll cut it off. So you understand that, you know, yeah, you're missing out on some profit, but the potential reward, if this thing stair steps all the way up, is huge. You know, let's look at it. If you cut some at 10 and then goes to 11, comes back down, test 10, and then you add back. And then it goes to 12 and then you cut some there. You know, now you just doubled your profit, you know, if you cut some there. So then maybe you're giving up 20% of the profit on the downside. So instead of a hundred bucks, you make 80. But if it does continue to run, then you're going to double your profit. 
you know, you're just going to keep rinsing and recycling. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it also, it also goes back to, uh, position sizes. I mean, if, if your starting position size is not drastic, that, that first ad on the dip is not going to be nearly as, you know, scary even. You're not going to be like, oh, okay, it won't feel like you're going to have to cut your loser as quick because the first dip really didn't affect much. Exactly. And again, even if you rode this thing all the way back down, Let's just say you bought it at five and you wrote it all the way back down to five. It's really like you sold it at seven and a half. And so that's like, you know, to break even. Now, if you write it back down to seven and a half, that's fine. It's still like you still have tons of profit, you know, if you sell at seven and a half. So I know that like everyone wants to, I saw that I was up 130 bucks. I don't want to sell unless it's, unless it's for $130, you know, like that max profit. Yeah, no. And, and we talked about like a long time ago on the Adelon episode, it's, you know, when you see that number and then you try and get back to that number is where you really start, you know, screwing yourself over. You got to accept the win and and that's that. And lastly is letting your winners run. Kind of tough in this market, but at the same time, I think it goes back to one thing you used to always say is I'd rather get off the bus stop two stop or one stop too late than five stops too early, meaning you'd rather the stock hit its peak and then dip a little bit and then know it's time to get out as opposed to get out way before it's at its peak. Uh, do you kind of want to touch on some strategy on how to do that? Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Is he dork? No. Uh, you're, you remember, obviously, you probably do not remember this, uh, with the bus stop one stop too late as opposed to five stops too early, which means you'd rather <laughs> I know my sell it dork. after it's dipped. After, well, I'm, hey, I mean, you've, you've, you've messed it up a few times. I just want to make sure. Two things I'll answer this with. Because one of them is going to contradict what I basically just said. Because we do have those parabolic days where if things just go absolutely nuts, let's just say you're in something and it goes 300%. And you're like, hey, this is, this is all-time highs. Yeah, you can use Fibonacci's and you could use like time of day, 230 dip by, a bunch of different shit. But, but I, what I personally like to do is that if you're up you know, some crazy amount and this is past like the plan, so when you're creating the plan, you might say that, you know, I'm going to stair step this all the way up to 15 from like seven. Like you said, hey, we're, we're going to Canada and you find yourself a little bit closer to Greenland and like, yes, you're like, fuck yes. it, I might as well stay on yes, until I'm exactly. at the North Pole. Yeah. And the one thing that I'll say is that sometimes you just got to be happy with profit. And listen, like, you know, if you, especially if you're a swing trader, and you know you 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 know sell seventy five percent. There's some of those days where stuff just goes three hundred percent, and it's through all time highs. Like I don't know what to tell you. You can use Fibonacci's. You can wait for it to find support. But there's some days where it might go up three hundred percent, and it might end the day only, and it might only end up the day up one hundred fifty percent. And so scale out along the way for, on those parabolic moves. You know, 
sell 10% every 20%. That's another way to do that too. And then wait for it to fail, you know, like the same way, or ideally, you know, we've all ideally shorted stuff or learning about shorting. And so when you see that exhaustion move, same thing like shorts, look for that exhaustion move to short, you can look for that exhaustion move to sell. And that's one of the biggest things. People will just hold stuff. All They'll just hold it all the way up and all the way down. And then, you know, listen, sometimes you just got to be happy with the profit. And that's totally okay. All right. Well, our very last segment is diversifying outside of your portfolio, basically meaning anything other than stocks. Uh, but before we do that, I would like to get you a um, big power ranking guy. I think we should do more power ranking as we go on. Uh, power rank these uh, investments. REITs. Okay. Apartments. Stocks. You, you may well write these down. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Hang on a minute. <laughs> the list okay. is real long. REITs. REITs. Apartments. Apartments. Land. Crypto, NFTs, stocks, Airbnb. Isn't that the same thing as apartments? Well, we'll, we'll just do like truthfully. We'll, you do, want me to talk we'll about do like Airbnbs? We'll do rented, like renting out uh, overshot yeah, rentals. rentals. All right, so just rentals overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no apartments, no house renting out, no duplex, just rentals. Okay, so first off, I think that. If you, if you have enough money, uh, all of these are great. You know, they're fine. Now, I heard a quote once, and honestly, I might have made this up, but I heard this quote once, and it said, people get rich and, and their families get wealthy off real estate. And so I'm totally messing that up. But what I'm trying to say is that once you have some money, real estate is real estate is the most viable option to keep it and two to cash flow it. And why I say that is because if you take five million dollars and and you put twenty percent down, you know, let's just say that <laughs> that you're not completely vacant all the time, you're gonna be able to cash flow that. So and you can borrow like twenty million on that five million, you know? So twenty million gets you a lot of apartments. Um unless you, you know, you're from New York. Then you get like a two bedroom, but everywhere else you're going to get a really, you're going to get a bunch of apartments and then they can cash flow, and you'll have them for years and years and years, you know, with very little risk. And of course, you know, you have the, the housing market, you know, the housing market crashes, you know, of course, and if vacancy rate becomes, it becomes extremely high and you can't pay your mortgage and there's so many different things, but that's where like your risk or your own risk appetite comes into it. So that would be like the first thing. Now, uh, I'm going to do the power ranking from best to least. And this is all my personal opinion. So the first thing is obviously the stock market. Now, I don't necessarily believe that people should be individual stock pickers. Like, I don't, I don't believe in that at all. Like, I don't personally just invest in different companies, except for like, except for the five companies that everybody inside the world knows. Um, so that's me personally. So I don't believe in individual stock pickers for the future because so much can happen. What I do believe in is target date funds. And I believe inside the S&P 500 and the other trading indexes that we have, the market has never not gone higher. This means that even if you, if you take a $100 bill right now, or even, even, even with the market up 100%, or even if you could have bought you could have been the person to bought the absolute all-time high on the S&P 500. What was that? Like 4,700 or 4,759 or something. And if you took that $100, the market is saying that historically, even though you're down uh, right now, you know, 12, you know, $15 or $12, whatever, that historically that investment, that investment will be green at some point. Okay. So how many other investments can you truly say with guarantee thus far that in all of its history you will 100% get some return back if you just wait long enough that's uh what they said about the housing market in 2007 no 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 there's so many things about the housing market, the housing market bubble that happened that are so interesting and wonky 
and the amount of case studies in the house market is so interesting. I could, I, that could be its own episode. But anyway, I'm going to stock guy. You know, so number one, there's going to be the stock market. Number two is going to be the apartments. Kind of what I talked about earlier about the rentals. You know, once you get a little bit of money, and even if you don't have crazy money, the apartments now, now again, this comes down to your at risk appetite, but apartments are a great way to cash flow. And if you learn enough about it, similar to the stock market, now the stock market's a little hands off than this. You're gonna you're gonna be surprised at uh, how little four thousand, or I mean, how much four thousand dollars gets you for an apartment outside of where you live. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I've got I've I've got this is thirty one hundred I think fifteen hundred square feet. What <laughs> two bedroom two and a half bath? Yeah. I'm I'm in my this is my computer room, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, you know what? So so put in perspective. Dan's in Houston, in the nicest building in Houston, right? Like, like one of the nicest buildings. No, yeah, it is. Arguably, yes. okay. <laughs> we don't have to argue. <laughs> Dan has a balcony and fifteen hundred square feet, and no state income tax and a balcony, and he pays thirty one hundred. I have a roommate, love him, great guy. A roommate, we share an office, and then a and then I have a bedroom, and uh, I pay twenty seven hundred a month. And we share the fair 1,500 square feet. And I don't have a balcony. And my building doesn't have a poker room and dance does. Or a basketball gym. Yeah, I don't have a basketball basketball gym. You, have a, you have at least two pools there, right? <laughs> I don't have a pool. Tanning bed? I don't even have one pool. Steam room? No, no, no steam room. Sauna? No. Movie the- A movie no. theater at least. No, no movie theater. Arcade? No, no. Okay, all right. This is crazy. You need to move. You need to get out of there, dude. And I also pay state income tax. <laughs> So that's good. Yeah, that can't be. That's not happening. So what I'm trying to say is, besides that, that, you know, I pay a lot of money inside the Northeast. What I'm trying to say is that, that if you take the time to learn and to learn and invest, and you take the time to invest in education and to, to learn about real estate, which tons of people do, I don't really feel like it's rocket science. I personally am not the most educated person, but you can find really good deals similar to the market, you know, how you pick swings and stuff like that to where, you know, your appreciation can be super high and you get cash flow. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, you know, I'm a Dude, huge- TikTok, TikTok real estate investors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I like apartments and stuff too. Now, number three, reach are kind of one of those things where like, you know, if you're just looking to diversify, if you have a pretty decent net worth and you're looking for like, you know, a little bit of cash flow and you're looking to diversify a little bit, you know, this feels like a really good option. Or substitute number two, the apartment. Put you want to take that money and put into a REIT, I think that's totally fine too. It's less risky. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <clears throat> it's less risky from a standpoint of if there's no vacancy and stuff like that, then, then you'll blow up. But what I mean by less risky is, you know, you're leaving it to people who you think are professionals or people with knowledge. And on top of that, you, you know, REITs are usually so big that, and they're so diversified across the board. So are REITs your third? Are you putting this third? Well, it's like a, it's like a third, but you can, but it can be the second. You can substitute. Are you it. putting it above land? I think is the big I am question. Putting it above land. I, I am putting it above land. Okay. And and like I was saying about REITs, parents are you know, I like REITs. Listen, we've got a lot of land. Listen, I personally have land. Like I have, you yeah, know, my, handicap. My family land. has much more land. My family sure. are land land owners, bud. Uh-huh. Alabama, Stockton, Alabama, dude, that's, that's mine. When they're gone, <laughs> that's dude, a gold it's, mine? it's, no, it's my, no, mine. Oh, oh, it's, Dan is, oh, it's, it's your, mine. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, I like land. Now, some of this has to do with where I live. Again, it has to do with where I live because I'm from the Northeast. So land is, you know, really, really expensive. One of the only ways to do, you know, land or to acquire land or, you know, I don't want to call it for cheap, but to get it for a good price is if you do it through an auction. But most of those times, those auctions, they don't even have roads. You know, so you so you're just you know you're just buying forest. Oh well, yeah, that's 
So yeah, that's that's what land is, dude. No, but I mean, like, you know, you know, I want to buy like plots. All right, dude, you got to spend a little more than that. Yeah, you know, I can just sit on it. You know, I don't want to buy a tree. But yeah, so what I'm saying is, like me personally, it's some it's so much through the auctions and stuff like up, up here. And like I said, land it in and of itself is still 50, 60 grand for like half an acre up here. Oh dude, it's like five grand an acre and like where <laughs> my parents have it. Yeah. I you know, I was talking to a trader in Vegas and who, you know, I was talking to him and we were talking about like he lives in Detroit and we were talking about the land grab in Detroit. And I was like, dude, I just kind of want to buy like a few plots of land inside Detroit just to, you know, why not? Just in case, you know, yeah, exactly. Why not? Because yeah, you can get plots of land for like a thousand bucks. Maybe not that cheap, but there's those things where it's like the $1 houses or whatever. I'm not sure how they work, but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those videos. So what I'm trying to say is, is that I think most of it depends on your personal risk appetite. And again, being inside the Northeast, it doesn't really make that much sense for me to buy land to buy when I'm buying, buying it for like 50, 60 grand and they don't have water, you know, they don't have electric, you know, they don't have roads. They don't and have so, electricity because there's nothing there. It's trees. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was about to say electricity. So, you know, you buy a few trees inside some forest, but when I can use that, you know, better, I don't see much return on investment for me to sell to like a, at a 50 grand cost, but, or how, if I'm going to put a neighborhood in there, I mean, that's going to cost me a hell of a lot of money. So me personally, oh, dude, no one's buying fucking land, land, land in New York, bro. You got to buy it somewhere. They're eventually going like to Alabama develop like at more Alabama. And guess what, dude? I know a great, uh, a lot of land that you can buy for cheap. I know I said 5,000 earlier, but <laughs> it may be 15,000 depending on uh, who you're buying it from. And, and I'll sell it to you for a great price, dude. So next you have, uh, what oh it's all trees you're not gonna like it um <laughs> but you know but down there i mean that's what most of alabama is anyway so it's kind of like par for the course different opinions on land i'm a big land guy so now we have nfts and cryptos uh the funny money gang aren't gonna like this one just kidding don't don't hate me but yeah no we are actually i mean we were at the prices where you said you'd be interested in buying um or at least we were for a little bit so uh let's uh let's Let's finish off with your cryptos and NFTs. I'm sure I know the order they are in. Oh, and speaking of NFTs, the uh, NBA All-Star Game is this weekend, and the Slam Dunk Contest is obviously there. And Jalen Green has partnered with the NFT's Top Shot for the game. So uh, I have a feeling, A, that he's definitely going to win because they're going to push that agenda. And B, uh, yeah, you know, they, that's the A and B. Yeah, fuck NFTs. Just kidding. You guys know how I am. I'm a traditional value investor guy, and there's not enough history around crypto and NFTs. Now, I understand that if I bought Bitcoin in 2005 and when I was in kindergarten, then I'd be rich. Okay, I understand that. But, you know, but I have more important things going on, like crayons and like this girl, this girl I thought was cute. But anyway, the thing is that, is that I need to... I need to, to see, I, I need to see like at least a decade or two of my life, of my adult life, where I personally can experience it and watch it. You know, um, the market has 10 times more of a history than, than crypto and NFTs. So therefore me personally, I don't personally feel comfortable. I need a little bit more history on it. The other thing is that, is that I just see so much risk on it. You know, nobody won this at, at, when it was at three grand, no one wanted it. Now all of a sudden everyone's like buying it, like Tom Brady buying it, like 50 grand. You know, you got Venezuela's president making memes about it, about himself, about buying top. Like Venezuela came on the news and enticing people to buy their bonds, by buying their bonds, by not taxing them. Well, why are they not going to tax them? Because they need people to buy their bonds because they have nothing. Their economy is crippled. It's crippling. Like if, if Bitcoin does go down, like, let's just say, you know, 10 grand, holy shit. Like Venezuela, uh, China, China's that's China's country. Yeah. We're just going to call it China. <laughs> yeah. Chai, Chai Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I understand that like, 
know their economy. I mean, we talked about it, you know, when the article came out that this felt like a last stand for them, like a hail Mary, like, fuck it. Let's, let's buy out the money options. 50 years down the road. This is like Abraham Lincoln becoming president. Like, you win the Civil War, you save the country, you're one of the best presidents forever. If he loses the Civil War, he's the worst president yeah. forever. Yeah, it's all or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all or nothing. And that's the shit that scares me. Like, I hate that. So for me personally, I, I, I group crypto and NFTs together. I feel better about crypto than NFTs. I like the idea of, of NFTs, but... But the thing about cryptos and NFTs, and especially about NFTs, is that they're going to have to regulate it and tax it in some way. Like right now, like the U.S. government, the regulators, they've all come out and say that that money laundering is a thing, that they're aware of it. Same as big art, dude. Yeah, no, exactly. So the thing is that it's not as, as, as accessible. Like I feel like, you know, as much as I love the government... You know, like, let's be honest, you know, you never go after like a Warren Buffett, but if, but you know, if, if me and Dan start buying up Picasso's and putting them offshore, then, uh, you know, we're going to get a knock, you know, who's going to get first me or Buffett, Buffett, you know, probably me, I'm going to get the knock first. So what I'm trying to say about all this is that one, I see the risk. I see too much risk from like everybody so risk on and that's usually a pretty big red flag to me. Like you got like Paris Hilton and she's like the girl who wasn't even allowed to like drink by herself. Right. Or like eat by herself. That was Britney Spears. Oh, that was Britney Spears. Well, yeah, either way. I mean, same thing. Yeah. You got like, you got like celebrities coming out and buying crypto. And then, you know, you got economies, like I said, who are hail marrying their future and making memes on Twitter. Like it's no big deal. And so for me, that's kind of like a red flag for me. So from like a regulation standpoint, you know, regulation, Something's going to have to happen. They keep talking about it. Now, personally, I don't know when that is or when they do it or how they do it, but they got to do it and they will do it. I mean, hell, it might take two decades. Like, I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight, but regulation will come. And I think it comes down hard because it's kind of been the wild, wild west right now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's been, you know, they know it's the wild, wild west. It's like they put like a big strip club in like the middle of this college. You know, it feels like it shouldn't be there. And eventually the school's going to say something about it, but, uh, but they don't know what to do. 18 and not a strip club. And that's not a bad <laughs> idea, dude. Yeah. I'm always like talking it. about the business opportunities. So for me, yeah, it just feels like a lot of risk on. I know a lot of people are waiting for me to say this. And so I'm going to say it, but, but then I want to explain myself. So the other thing is that even at these prices, crypto is still, you know, I'm going to speak and I'm going to talk about the cryptos. Cryptos are still up like so much. You know, they're still up inside the last five years, huge. Now, that's not a reason to deter me, but, but it just adds to that overall thesis that like right now is just not the time, you know, to give more exposure than a few percentage points of my net worth. Now, listen, now, like I said, I'm exposed to it, you know, like I'm exposed like radiation, baby, but, uh, but it's no more than two, three percent you know, maybe a bad, bad day in the market, you know, it's closer to 5%. But, but, you know, that's the way that I truly like to do it. And that's, you know, and when people ask me, I just say that, like, I don't know enough about it. And uh, I try and explain that, you know, I don't think there's enough history for me to feel personally comfortable. And like, I feel like regu- I, regulation has to come down. And when regulation comes down, I don't know. But like, do I see pictures of apes and frogs going for like 400 grand forever? Probably not, but I do see. It'll probably be a million. You know, I, yeah, honestly, probably like four million. <laughs> but like, there was a while there where NFT project that a celebrity tweet out, the thing would go crazy two, three hundred grand. You know, like who's doing that? And the other thing is that like, there's tax scams out there. You know, for NFTs. You know, buying it in one law, selling it another. You know, like Melina, Melina Trump. Sorry, I totally messed it up. Sorry, Mrs. Miss Florida, Miss Lady Trump, whatever. But you know, you got Mrs. Trump who, who bought her NFT uh, or, you know, who someone bought her NFT and then it was tracked back to a different account of hers, you know, and people are getting away with taxes by doing that and then writing off the loss. And I'm not saying that she did that, but I'm just saying that that that's what people are doing. No, dude, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll just sell them to themselves so they can pump up the price. Be like, holy shit, this one was sold for $12 million. 
to a celebrity. Wow, oh my God, she bought it. Then she could resell it for half that, you know? Yeah. Your store. Yeah, no, exactly. Because if you owned it, bought it from yourself, and then sold it for half price, you made that half price. You're just paying yeah, gas exactly. fees. Uh, yeah, the gas fees, I mean, they're a lot. But, uh, but yeah, me personally... I just think that there's a lot more risk involved and there's not enough history for me to be like comfortable with it. So I can look at historical data. So like for me, well, land's been here longer than real estate. So, I mean, you, I mean, with yeah, that but that's theory. just a big pain in the ass that I don't want to deal with. And also like 50 grand for like some piece of wood is like, listen, like I, I just don't see how the return on investment. Now, again, I have land. So if, and recently I bought it. So if, you know, so I'm test driving it. So if, if someone offers me a few bucks, you know, 10 X my investment, my land, I'm going to come right back on this podcast and say that I love land. But, uh, me personally, I just, I like to think of things from my perspective. If, if I wouldn't purchase this land in five years for, you know, 50 grand, or, you know, 200 grand, 500 grand, you know, I'm not. So I probably wouldn't do that. So that's the way that like I approach things, but, uh, Hey, if it happens, you know, I'm going to come right back on here and, uh, and say that I love land. All right, well, um, we've recorded this about six times because Hugh's memory on his PC is messed up. So he's got to go re-record because I recorded properly. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Yeah, I hope everyone has a great weekend or had a great weekend. And uh, take care. Uh, Lands, REITs, cryptos, NFTs, and more. Penny's Going and Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 